Welcome to ANC this morning. Uh, all I can tell you is that you're in for a treat today. How to describe what just happened at the 9.30, I'm not sure, but you're in for a real treat. Today, you get to look inside the boiler room of how my heart beats and what I think and how we as a family process ministry. You get a treat today to hear from Carissa Ray, who is that person for us. What she expressed at the 9.30 so perfectly summed up who we are, where we've come from, where we're going. I don't know how to describe it, but I might over-describe it, so I guess I won't. You get to listen to someone that I listen to profoundly. Everyone's following someone, whether you can identify that person or not. You're following something and you're following someone. You're going to get to hear who I'm listening to uniquely, and I'm following every word she says. She should sound familiar to you because her words are woven in my thoughts all the time. You'll hear these little turns of phrase, and you're like, oh, that's where he gets it. You'll, you'll see what I mean. Carissa is a therapist. She's a therapist supervisor. She's a pastor's daughter. She grew up in the evangelical church. She's a person of color. She also advised the staff and leadership of a church that formed me very deeply years ago. You might know something about Mars Hill in Grand Rapids. Carissa was there for all of that as well. Through a series of events about a year ago now, she went from friend to spiritual director for me. And I listened to everything she says because of that. How to describe what happened. All I can tell you is it was a national conference for foster and adoptive families, and I was very reluctant to even get signed up to go. I'm not a conference person. There's a million ways I can mess that up. Well, lo and behold, my particular brand of sort of fierce honesty and vulnerability lit the house on fire. People yelling, people storming out, leaving. I kid you not, a guy with a shirt that says, love thy neighbor, halfway back, standing up, screaming at the top of his lungs, why can't you just preach the Bible? The whole thing went up in flames. We were uninvited from that point forward. Allison's contract to speak with that conference was canceled. But Carissa was the closing plenary speaker for that final Friday night. And so we stayed in the game. We stayed in the building through all the controversy. And I watched her get pummeled in a similar way that we had been. And trauma creates connection. And so that's the point where we went from friends to, okay, I'm listening to you now. I was very close to saying, you know what? I don't want anything to do with any of this anymore. Walking away in a, in a strange inability to process what happened. Well, I process and I lean in because Carissa is constantly encouraging me to do that. So that's what you get to hear from today. I'm so excited. There's a lot of followers around the country that follow what we do. You may not know this, but there's thousands of people who listen to our podcasts. But nobody follows more closely than Carissa. She listens to every single thing. I will often say her name. Um, she lives in Grand Rapids, which is a very unfortunate reality. Her husband is a third-generation business owner, and there's no way to transplant that business. We've tried to think of everything. We rented a BMW motorcycle, and we toured around hill country, sipping all sorts of adult beverages. I tried my best that day. We ended up at the Parker Jazz Club that night, and from there we went to hear Dale Watson at the highball. You can't do any better, Austin, than that. If that doesn't move them to move, I am out of tricks. I couldn't get Willie. Willie was busy with Brandon that day. Anyway, she came down to celebrate my wife's birthday, which is today. And so, I've identified that I feel like 2020 for us is going to be a year of health. There is no conversation about health for me that doesn't first involve the person who's shaping me spiritually. She's fearless. She's direct. She's loving. She's kind. She's committed to us as a church. Come on, Krissa. 
Join us. I'm going to keep you more in the middle of the stage for the, for the live feed. Right here. You got it? This little Korean, this is how you turn on your mic in Korea. You, you can all pray for Matt that he will be led by the Holy Spirit to move here. I think it's not a coincidence that it's called Onion Creek and we grow onions in Michigan. <laughs> Hello, AMC. No, oh, this is already better than 9.30. <laughs> I love that I get to be your first female Asian behind your pulpit slash music stand, but more so, I love that I get to be someone who has had the opportunity and, and gift of observing and listening and learning and even gut laughing with many of your people this year. And now who gets to stand in front of you and tell you a few things about you that maybe you already know and maybe you don't. I'm someone who steps on this platform wearing a lot of different layers, but the two I want to offer you most today is number one, as a kid and a young adult who has traveled through the historical evangelical church movement, learning about and believing and valuing really, really important truths about who God is, and who continually felt invited and compelled to expand and modify and add to the faith that she was offered. And two, as a therapist, someone who has had a front row seat to the human heart, how it responds to experience from and with one another, how it is harmed and hurt from bad, and how it heals and repairs with good, and then affirm how it was created to live fully alive from a place of love. My job as a therapist blends with my ability to see and believe people and even, as you'll see today, challenge people a little bit. So I want, to, I want you to think of this as kind of a love letter from someone who sees you and the faith journey that you've been on and who deeply believes in you and what y'all are doing in this cool little place here in Austin. And I'm going to say y'all as many times as I can, because how many times do Koreans say y'all? That's good. Yeah. Okay. So let's back up to 2019, because that's when... I realized that you are a unique gem and light in this hidden world. And when my heart began caring deeply for ANC and her people, and when I decided to be your advocate and ally and accomplice, and when I started really getting to know and love and value the man in the hat and your servant savant. So I hear that uh, y'all here at ANC are almost 11 years old. That seems so old and sounds so young at the very same time, doesn't it? So in our culture, the age of your church body would be categorized as an adolescent, yet the content that you talk about here is considered ancient because it's filled with stories and truths about God the Father since the beginning of time, which then catapults you into the arena where you're kind of supposed to know what you're talking about. So in order to keep what I'm about to say, where you are as a church in context, I want to lean in and say this to you with grace and compassion, just like we would say to our kids. You're just 10. You're just learning what makes your insights grow and spin. You're just learning who you are and what people are made of. You're just learning that the world doesn't revolve around you. 
You're just learning that the creator made all of his universe for you to observe and listen and learn and participate in and with. Oh, church, you've come so far and you have so much to discover. You're just getting started. And that's exciting because there's so much possibility and hope in that. Okay, so um, you've kind of had a big year. You've touched on a lot of really easy to talk about and think about topics, especially when you're with people who don't think like you or talk like you or believe like you, right? I mean, hello. Who doesn't want to name that the church has not been the leader or inspirer or shepherd of light and easy topics such as sexuality and orientation and politics in America and borders and boundaries and incarnation and death and heaven and legalism and fundamentalism and ableism and evangelism and empire and skin color and baptism and grace and original goodness, all while taking care of your environment. But you are, and you did. And so I imagine that some of you are utterly exhausted. And maybe some of you are totally excited and ready for more and feeling energized and maybe some of you just needed to numb out. Personally, I think any and all of those responses and reactions are divinely human. We get to embrace our humanity and we get to embrace our divinity. Historically, the American Christian culture and most likely the culture in our own homes did not give us permission to be glad, mad, sad, or scared. We actually felt shame for feeling too much. And maybe for some, we even felt manipulated into feeling. So many of us got sent the message, don't be human. And so, what I love about what Jason is teaching and what you're together practicing in here is helping create and build a new model and framework and structure and storyline that gives us humans to be who and where we're at. So let me start by saying in the most strong and tender way that I can, you have permission to be exactly where you're at. You have nothing to prove or defend or fix or figure out because you and your faith journey are not a problem. You have permission to step away or push away or sit and observe this wobbly Christian community and culture we all find ourselves in. You have permission to wonder and wander and drink wine because you're realizing that you're still and always have been held in the arms of love. You have permission to be tired of deconstructing because building just feels so much easier and exciting and acceptable. You have permission to miss what you once had, who and once you once belonged to, who and what you once were, secure, confident, assured, unashamed witnesses of Christ. You have permission to let go of or hold on to the doctrines and traditions and practices that have shaped and formed you. No one can make you unbelieve or unsee or unfold or come undone. And you have permission to keep the gates flung wide open, welcoming all that is expanding and renewing you. But whatever you do, church, 
do so from a centered and secure place of love, not fear or guilt or shame or blame. Listen to your own heart and body and brain because remember you still possess that still small voice who lives and breathes and moves in you. Oh, how I wish our religious leaders and speakers and authors and songwriters and parents would apologize, could admit that they misinterpreted and misguided and misled, could say that they were wrong, could say that they mentored and modeled from a place of fear and control and power and shame. But so many can't. And some did. So we grab onto this and we get to feel grateful for that. See, you've been influenced by not only a white progressive preacher man in a hat with dope shoes, you've been shaped by a diverse group of pastors and poets and playwrights and authors and sweet Susie, wise local and global thought leaders of our day like Father Richard Rohr and Barbara Brown Taylor and Dr. Tim and Stan Mitchell and Bishop Snazy and Brené Brown and sarcastic Lutherans and people who don't wear white skin and even this kind of well woman you may have heard of, Sister Jen Hatmaker. Oh, yes. Y'all have been influenced by who I would call holy heretics. Prophets and priests and kings who are highlighting all that has been missing, all that's been good and true, all that's been around and available to us since the beginning of time. Here in your little South Lamar church, you're not being asked to get rid of anything you've learned or become. You're being invited to add to what you've learned and who you've become. So friends, know that you're traveling with a courageous group of other outliers and wanderers who at times find themselves in the wilderness too. You are speaking up and out and challenging and examining politics and theology and philosophy and you're naming the secret hidden codes for climbing the ladder and undermining the creator of the universe through systems and structures of power and politeness that have kept and shoved all the lesser thens in their places. You've disrupted and rearranged and turned upside down your own politics and theology and feelings of security and safety and stepped into a landmine of holy potential and possibility. Again, some of you may be utterly exhausted and some of you are totally energized and some of you could still very well be numbed out. And, Some of you may have fallen in love with Jesus all over again. Or maybe for the first time. And some of you may not even know who this Jesus is anymore. But you're intrigued and you're fascinated and you're in for the ride. And you keep showing up every single week. I applaud that. I respect that. And all of this has been so risky. Ah, it's cost you. It's cost your preacher and pastors and staff and leaders and kids. You've lost family members and relatives and grandparents and best friends and Facebook likes and followers and maybe even social invites and shared meals and for sure, it's cost you feeling comfortable and safe and known. You've been enlightened 
yet your enlightenment has perhaps come with great loss. When things change, things are lost. And with loss always comes grief. So again, let me remind you that you have permission to be sad and mad and discouraged and disappointed because that's human. And I'm betting that in the reality of loss, you have also gained. See, all of this positions you in what I like to call the sacred both and tension. The reality that two things can be true at once. And, and uh, excuse me, you are receiving and giving. You are shedding parts of you and you're finding more of you. You are saying yes and you're saying no. You are still clinging and you are letting go. A and C, y'all are in the season of maturity and renaissance and revival. You get to keep turning old things into new, turn duty into delight, turn obligation into opportunity, turn rules into redemptive rituals, turn shame into self-compassion, turn the we have to, need to, must into we get to. Because that's what we're all trying to get saved from, right? Because that's what we've all already been saved from, right? Okay. So here's my secret Korean observation. Y'all are becoming mystics. Now, before you think I'm going to get all woo-woo on you, <laughs> let me tell you why. You have entered the mystery, the unknown. And at the very same time, what is actually already known, that God is mysteriously moving and leading history and his people somewhere larger and bigger and broader and better for all of humanity and creation. Jesus is actually getting to become who he has always been from the beginning, expansive, compassionate, gracious, and just, and bursting with love. You're letting go of control as your eyes fill with wonder, as your body and brain and heart are learning that everything belongs and that everyone is held. Oh, church, see, you've also gained. You are stepping into the beautiful mystery of Christ. And it's so, so sacred and so holy. So I want you to know that what's happened and what is happening is true and needed and good. Y'all are rethinking and reshaping and recreating and giving language to something that started so simple and somehow became so complex and divisive and disjointed and you're making it real, alive, available, accessible. You're not only telling the world who they are, but who they could be, and who they were made to be. You're correcting the picture that set God up to be a punisher and redirecting the eyes to the image of a God who is a pursuer of all of creation. You're reminding one another that a divine spark was breathed into each of us day one. You've been peeking at and re-examining and the damage and byproduct of forgetting who we were in the beginning and how it's affected everything we see and say and think we need 
You're preaching and spreading the word because you're finding more of the word. Just like John the disciple said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And now, maybe for the first time, maybe all over again, you're realizing that the word is not something you must strive towards, but actually and already in you and with you and energizing you. That's the mystery. This word and God and Christ isn't somewhere up there or over yonder or stuck in a manger or throne. He's actually an activated and animated force right here in ATX, brought to ANC by its first leaders and pastors, and now being carried forward and magnified by your current leaders and pastors. Your past continues to inform your future. Don't throw any of that out. It's good, good stuff, and it's actually gold. It's actually what invites grace. The mistakes and misinterpretations and holes and language and orthodoxy and who's in and who's out and that ominous fear that guided so many for so long is exactly the stinky part of the fertilizer that is now helping your garden grow new roots. The, the garden y'all are growing, it isn't a purest theological harvesting grounds. Oh, no. This is where all the ugly and bad and shame and shitty have its place too. Because this garden serves a table where the bad and the broken sit with the brave and the beautiful and where everyone is learning to find themselves in one another who realize they belong with and to one another. And for those of you who have already been sitting at the table, you get to remind everyone else of this. We need the ashes to know where the beauty gets to rise. So, let's all that shifted just settle a bit. Take some deep breaths and then go. Keep finding and exploring all the empty places because there is more golden magic to find in the not yet known and the not yet found and the not yet understood places. And as you continue to let go of the known and embrace the mystery, remember to hold on to each other and remind one another that you are going to make it. You're going to be fine because you're 10 and you're just learning and still practicing how to find more of Jesus. His view and value of you, your view and value of him, of who you and he have always been. So now I have to tell you what to do. Just kidding. I get to invite you. I mean, I get to tell you what to do. First and foremost, here's your task. Okay, I mean invitation to 2020. Let all of this wondering and wandering and learning and unlearning lead you back home to your creator, to yourself, to the radical self-care of your one wild and precious life. Pay attention to what's going on in you. Wherever you are in your spiritual and faith journey, be there. Be all in right there. Name it, own it, embrace it. Because your health and well-being is so tightly and mysteriously connected to everyone else's health and well-being. Your health initiates health in others just as your fear can initiate fear in others. Do the hard, hard work of forgiving yourself and loving yourself so that you are able to forgive and love others. 
and offer the kind of empathy that builds bridges of restoration and reconciliation. I guarantee you that as you practice taking care of your own hearts, you're going to know how to take care of one another's hearts. And then, as you're ready, at your pace, offer that radical self-compassion and God-breathed identity and wholeness to others knowing that you have everything already inside of you to heal this world. Spur one another onto emotional and mental and physical health. Ponder together what inside of you and around you remains untouched, begging for the chance to be made possible, to come alive, to experience oneness. There's no linear path to follow. All you have to do is surrender to the process. And as you practice releasing and letting go of who and what you can't control, rest, abide in the presence, the very origin of what it means to become all you are meant to be. As you become aware of and participate with the kingdom work right in front of you, one day at a time, one person at a time. And then keep decentering the people who have historically had the power and privilege and control and recentering and making space for all Protect yourselves from being anti-conservative or anti-evangelical or anti-white or anti-meat eaters or anti-virginity or anti-men or even anti-president. Only be anti-evil. Everything can be our teacher. Everything has its place and purpose. If only to help motivate us to, and redirect and correct what's been corrupted and highlight where new life needs to be breathed. And then, keep seeking all the beautiful that exists in our world, not in spite of, but because of all the brokenness in our world. Keep being the gospel, the light, the image bearers of Jesus. Keep igniting fires, sometimes with symbols clashing as you, as you proclaim big truths, and sometimes with quiet whispers of love as you sit around dinner tables and fire pits, as you hang out with high schoolers and hug one another in your homes and at pride parades, as you smile and small talk with dancers at gentlemen clubs, as you gather gifts and grill food every fifth Sunday with those whose stories are different than yours, as you welcome immigrants and refugees with open arms and hearts, oh church. Keep allowing yourselves to be transformed and made new. As you enter into humanity, just like Jesus, because that's the way of Jesus, and because our world could use a fresh picture of what the church can be. And then, keep talking about the hard things, the real things, the hopeful things, and telling stories with vulnerability and truth about where you're at and what's stirring inside you and who you're becoming. Keep crying and laughing and lamenting and seeking and questioning together because face-to-face -face conversation is what brings conversion. Don't let the intellectual take you away from the relational. Keep making mistakes and allowing others to make mistakes because mistakes bear the mark of energy and action and they create the opportunity for repair and reconcil reconciliation and the ability to come something new.
Let yourselves feel strong and let yourselves feel shaky because that means you're on the verge of really good growth. As Brother Beekner says, beautiful and terrible things will happen and so when they do, friends, grab one another's hands and arms and necks and legs if you want and remind one another, you are held by love. We are held by grace. And it's sufficient. So, my sisters and brothers at ANC, may you keep participating in the divine day-to-day work of personal health and relationship building with a posture of grace and humility so that your destination always brings you back to love, to presence, to a place where mercy and justice spill. May you feel heaven's breath breathing on you and filling you and fueling you because you know deep, deep in your bones that you are inspired spiritual beings who get to bring more of heaven to earth. May your arms fall wide open to all that's possible as you step into your preteen and teen years, knowing that the first decade was good and needed. It set the stage for what is to come, more strength more softness, more awareness, more maturity, more beauty, more shalom. May you remember that this journey is not a continuum or a competition. It's not those back there or up here. It's all of us together being rebirthed and remolded and made new. We aren't whole without one another. May you know that you get to display the kind of inclusive, compelling love that is revolutionary for this day and this time. Oh, sweet friends, God's favor is upon you. He is proud of and well-pleased with and delighted in each of you. He always has been. Your creator is inviting you forward, and I'm confident that ANC's best is yet to come, and I can't wait to see how you're going to shine. Jump to your feet if you're able. These words, and I take these very personally, Mark, if you're watching, which I know you are. Mark writes one benediction for me. He wrote three for Carissa. So just so you know, he gets it. Mark writes these words, and these will be our benediction. A benediction for the tireless now tired, he says. The priceless thing is never earned, only given. You are one such thing. Grace is another. Far be it from you to put conditions on someone else's gifts. For those who uh, no longer recognize the path, for those of us who are in deconstruction, he writes, why else was the spirit placed inside you if not for this? The rings of a tree only go one way. And finally, for those still trying to be someone else, he writes, everything must be itself and grow more so and trust that if something else would have been better, it would have been something else. The Spirit is within you. Go in confidence. Blessings.